Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, Ned. Ciao, Davide. Where are you? I'm still in Cortina, where the sky meets the rain, meets the rooftops, and there is no live telly. All road closures are temporarily lifted today as hundreds of Giro d'Italia staff in pink-lined hoodies pile into rented fiats with stickers on them and roar out of town, leaving behind them a trail of cardboard signs with arrows on. Rain is expected throughout the day. It's 7.13 and here's Thin Lizzie. Australia's Farfale Giro d'Italia morning show special podcast is brought to you by Chapter 3 and The Roadbook. That's a really catchy name, isn't it? The Never Strays Far Valley Giro d'Italia Morning Show Special Podcast. Anyway, Chapter 3 was created by you, David Miller, in 2015 with the vision of creating cycling clothing that you would wear as a retired racer. Now for 2021, Chapter 3 have made cycling kit to meet you wherever your ride takes you. They're calling it Most Days. It launches in only a couple of weeks' time, so make sure you sign up via the link in the show notes to get access before anyone else does. In 2018, Ned and a team of dedicated enthusiasts delivered the inaugural edition of the Roadbook Cycling Almanac, an annual publication supplying day, essays and anecdotes from the racing calendar. The Roadbook 2020 and past editions have become the definitive companion of any fan of the sport. To be the first to hear about limited pre-order runs for future products and exclusive promotions, sign up by the link in the show notes. Hello, Ned Bolting. Hello, Matt Rendell. Yeah, hello, Matt Rendell. Hello, Matt Rendell. Hello, Ned Bolting. Hello, David doing? Miller. Mm. Are you remembering to use your microphone, Matt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's over there. It's over there. Microphone's over there. Oh, so okay. Okay, that's five thousand oh, views, contrary to our ooh, handheld. Ooh. Um, oh, there it is. It's there. It's there. It's coming yeah. to shot. He's all over it. Look, there he is. There he He's is. got an ITV, ITV Sport, Sport microphone. One. Oh, that's good. Where are you, Matt? Yeah. I'm in Madrid. I'm at home in Madrid, and yet I'm at the Giro d'Italia from yeah. home in Madrid because I'm I'm working on the Giro. I'm updating the Giro website remotely. Yes, Ned's been um, singing your praises. And it's very frustrating. Saying how detailed oh. and historic the, the historical facts you're putting in there and little anecdotes are next level. So. Well, it's quite, it's quite funny because I can't really write about the race because by the time I've received the television signal, about a minute's gone by. And then when I write something about the race, I publish it, about three minutes have gone by. And, and you'd be banging your head on the wall if I was sort of doing a written race commentary. So it's um, um Well, it would, have been, it would have been problematic yesterday anyway, wouldn't it? Because... God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by yeah. the way, did you see um, when Egan came across the finish, ti- finish line brilliantly mm. and did all that kind of, I want 
the Malia Rosa photograph. Yeah. I need the Malia Rosa photograph. So it was all that. And then he came across the finish line and very clearly mouthed, Hueputa! as he came across the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realise that's what he said. Son of a bitch. Um, yeah. I thought it was some, I thought there was quite, David, I thought there was quite a lot of jeopardy in uh, the way Egan Bernal decided to take off his rain jacket on those oh, little cobblestones that were uh, wet and quite a steep slope. And not straight. I mean, there, was a lot to, there was a lot going on there, wasn't there? He yeah. had to manage that situation. Was, goes to show he's, uh, he's got some skills. Because, I mean, especially yeah. when you're so cold as well. We saw, when was it? It's recently where, was it, where Geraint Thomas fell off in the final because his hands Romandy. were so cold. That was Romandy, wasn't it? So, yeah, to be able to I do that so, at the yeah. end of a stage like that, it's, um, yeah, it goes to show just yeah. how good he is at the moment here, Gam. But before we carry yeah. on, uh, Matt, just here, where we, there's a little routine that we go through because it's all very early morning. And strangely or not, Ned seems to be, um, well, not only having dreams, every single morning just before he wakes up, but sharing them. Remembering them. Sharing and them. sharing remembering them. Remembering and sharing. <laughs> Ned, go ahead. It's your time. I'm, I'm almost hesitant to recount this dream today because I'm so perplexed by the way my unconscious is working now with, as you say, kind of ferocious, ferocious regularity every morning at around about 6.30, 6, 6 o'clock, I am woken from a dream. And today, I didn't set my alarm because it was a rest day. That's why we're recording a little bit later. But I woke up anyway, dead early, and I woke up from a dream that made me laugh out loud. So instead of the, instead of the alarm waking me up, the dream, as you will discover, literally woke me up because I, was, because I laughed out loud and woke myself up. Right? Um, and the fact that it's being reduced to this narrow sphere of experience is just, it's become extraordinary. So I never normally dream about cycling, right? Or, or work in commentary and cycling. And, and, but I am now increasingly, like major figures in world road racing are popping up. With, with, with increasing frequency in my dreams. So last night I had this dream that I was in a pub garden somewhere, in the back garden of a pub, it's vaguely related to my childhood. And it had a few kind of, um, it was a, a little bit of a playground set up. So there was like a little slide and various different bits and pieces like that. And I start, I suddenly got, I became aware that both, both Bora Hansgrower leaders, Emmanuel Buchmann and Peter Sagan, were having a running race around the obstacle course in this pub garden, right? And I thought, uh, it looks quite, looks like they're having quite a lot of fun. Um, they were both also pushing little push chairs with small children that I took to be their kids around this obstacle course, jumping up, using Peter Sagan, using a lot of skills, right? They weren't on their bikes, they're just running around. And I thought, I wonder if they'd mind if I join in. Oh, no. So... I joined in for a bit, but um, I was kind of holding back because a bit like, imagine a member of the general public see some pros out training on the roads and they think, I'll just get on the wheels for a bit. You kind of like, you're slightly thrilled that you're doing it, but you're also conscious that you don't want to, you know, get in the way or kind of infiltrate their private space at all. Um, So that's what I was doing in this pub garden obstacle course with Emmanuel Buchmann, Peter Sagan and their children, right? And I saw ahead, Peter Sagan take this right-hand corner on what now appeared to be a bit of a helter-skelter. And Emmanuel Bu- and he cut up Emmanuel Buchmann and he nearly stamped on Emmanuel Buchmann's child's head, right, by mistake. Okay. 
At which point I thought, whoa, and I backed off because I saw the jeopardy in this. Mm-hmm. And I walked back to David where you were sitting. Oh, I've made it in, into the dream. Yeah, for the first time. Nice. In a, in a, in a quite wobbly plastic garden chair that came from B&Q or Homebase or something. And you looked at me and said, so have you got a dream? And I thought about it and I thought, well, I could tell him about Emmanuel Buchmann and Peter Sagan and what, what's just happened, but, but I can't really, because that's not a dream. That's real. That's just been happening. So I can't pretend that was a dream. So that this is meta. So I got really, I got really worried about that, quite panicky, and I reached down and I picked up an American football, right? So an, an oval-shaped American football, which I then punted playfully towards you, and it smacked you really hard on the side of the face, <laughs> and I woke up. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> that's interesting, man. So. <laughs> And You're that, kicking. I swear to God, verbatim is my dream. Ah. Over to any, you. Any thoughts on that, Matt, before I give a little bit of a attempt? Well, I mean, you two guys have clearly got some issues, haven't you? I'm more worried about Peter Sagan. I mean, why would Peter Sagan, why Peter Sagan and Buchmann then? Bob. Yeah, why Buchmann? He, I must well, admit, Buchmann. You, he, you always talk about Buchmann. He's he's ghosted his way yeah. into your dream now. Well, he was kind of well, ghosting his way around, around the obstacle course as even well. There, even there, even well, there, he wasn't able to excel. No, he was and, just. And he's abandoned now. He's abandoned yeah. the race. I think you feel abandoned. You feel you feel that so through some sort of proxy, his child needs to be stamped to death <laughs> because he's abandoned the Giro and abandoned you. He's left you. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, <clears throat> you've been yeah. such a good supporter to him, Ned. I think that's what you feel. There's one thing we should probably go back to. Yeah. <clears throat> is the, <laughs> is the, uh, the pub garden. Now, is this a pub from your childhood or something just familiar? It, it, no, it's quite, it's based on the, um, the black horse in Hampshire in the village where I grew up, actually. Very good. Now, did you feel like you were, because it's a bit odd. There's two fathers pushing their children around, and you're there on your own trying to join in. Now, did you feel yeah. more like a child or an adult? That's a great question. I think I felt a bit embarrassed, and I, um, the, a bit that the whole thing, the whole enterprise was a bit beneath us, all of us. That <laughs> yeah. was a bit humiliating. So, <laughs> why, what? Uh, okay. But it's fun. But the other thing, it was quite fun. I remember being quite thrilled okay. by it. Well, you know, you know. I think there, there probably was your inner child. And um, the thing is, what, dreams of childhood may reflect feelings about being inexperienced with new situations. You know, so I mean, it, I can there see is where, a sense I can of, see where this is heading. I, I can see where I this is heading. Being inexperienced, I mean... This is a concern yep. of yours, and I think once again you've joined in with something that clearly it's it's you're imposing <laughs> on that situation. And I think you, you recognised it the moment you backed off when you saw Sagan about to step on Buchmann's child's head. You realised that you were an imposter, and then you yep. came back 
and you realize I was sitting there and that was when you had to face the reality. I think you're getting closer to accepting this now. But the problem was you then, even though what, what's a little bit concerning is even though you knew this wasn't a dream, you decided to get an American football and kick it in my face. <laughs> so, so you actually were consciously doing that. So, yeah, okay. Sorry, David. That's all right. right but so I think our listeners, our listeners might have some understanding as to why I did that in the dream. Yeah. Oh, well, let's carry on. Um, how did how did you wake up, um, David? You didn't sort of. Uh, I woke up. Wake up with a dogs and children. Ah, uh, yeah. Not a slap of a, a sort yeah, of you football didn't like slap clutching. on the side of the. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> you imagine that would be perfect with the dog hitting. No, I didn't. So, Matt, how's how's the race been for you so far? Are you enjoying it? You must be loving Egan stomping it. Yeah, I am. I'm, uh, I, I feel sad, really, for for Remco. Really, I feel a bit oh, sad too. for Remco. And I think that what what we've wanted, and you know, I mean, the the, the kind of the story in cycling at, at the moment and for the coming years is is what happens when Egan at the top of his form, Remco at the top of his form, and Tadej at the top of his, his form when they meet at a at a grand tour what happens then and we we've sort of been a little bit deprived and 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 that whole you you, you know the, the the famous crash that um, Eddie Merckx had in 1969 in Blois where he 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 badly hurt himself and and even though he he carried on dominating the sport totally for about another 5 years he said he was never the same rider again and and you wonder you know god has that already happened to remco i'm sure it hasn't i hope it hasn't i'm sure it hasn't i don't think so but, i mean it's um, his first race back is since since his crash yeah. 8 months ago it is yeah. the giro d'italia and it, he was definitely holding his own very well, the first week, first ten oh, days, yeah. and then. So, but he yeah. just can't position himself, can no, he? No, I think he just, that. There you're right. Can't I think ride that's, in a group. But the things mm. I don't know. I'm not too sure. Not too clear what his bike handling was like before, because Ned was telling the story of mm. the Strada Bianchi from a couple of years ago in um in that smaller uh, Tirreno race. Well, that was the thing that Matt flagged up that was with, Matt flagged, with me actually yeah, Matt at Adriatico yeah. Ionico, whatever. Ionico, that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, I wonder if mm. that's always been there because he isn't like Egan or um, Tade and these riders that have come from mountain biking, he's come from football and just had this freakish engine and just yeah. just stomped yeah. his way through the ranks and never necessarily had to learn. He hasn't gone through that technique kind of basic foundation. Mm. And then after, mm. and then you do have to wonder if maybe if he already was a little bit sketchy, that's maybe one of the reasons he had that big crash because it was such an anomalous crash he had when he came off that bridge on that technical descent. God. And it could have been which, if he was already a little bit sketchy, then he's going to mm. he's going to be doubled down with that. So it'll be interesting to see. Him. But I, I think he is these days in the sport. I have no doubt that he'll be getting loads of support, and they'll put as much energy into teaching him how to do that and to to fix that. I mean, he's still a, he's still essentially a a baby, isn't he? He's got time to mm. to, to fix that area, and uh, that's, that's much easier to fix than not having the genetic wherewithal to to kind of compete against Egan Bernal and Tadi Pogacar, etc. It is something that self-evidently you can work on, isn't it? And you can be coached on. I mean, not everyone's able to, you know, draw on those lessons and actually 
um, make that kind of big leap that he, he seems to need to be able to make. But I suppose you could say, you know, Chris Froome, he was so raw at the beginning, wasn't it? His his bike handling, you know, on descents and in situations like that improved like night to day over the course of a couple of years, didn't it? And Thibaut, um, Thibaut so. Pino's the most marked because he was horrendous. Yeah. And then he actually got yeah. to, to the point where he could hang on to Nibali, which was something and, that didn't and you, work. And you know, also, I mean, Ag- Egan's had his issues. And I think one of them was um, riding a road bike like a mountain bike and cornering like a, a mountain biker rather than the road biker. And he's, when you think that, um, you know, he in, in, in 2018 had two, you know, really, really nasty spills. Having, as a mountain biker, I think, I, I can't remember the the stats, but he sort of, you know, he, he broke his left collarbone three times and his right twice as a mountain biker um and then um and and had some bad spills and and then had the, i think you know there was the crash at the um at tour of catalonia on the final stage when he went down on the wheel of um rojas and then there was the crash in the uh classic of san sebastian where he got a i mean um, among knocking teeth out and smash his face oh, out yeah, he got a, yeah. a bleed on the brain and so on and so and i, and I remember i always think of egan's um uh the, the the surgeon that that always puts him back together in colombia a guy called um dr gustavo castro and he says the the he's kind of treated most of the younger colombian riders and he said the the physique that is just astounding is um, Superman Lopez. But he said the brain is Egan. Egan's got the brain. And he's had, like, he's had bad, bad falls. But we didn't see it, of course, but he must have descended like a demon yesterday. Like an absolute. Mm. So, I mean, the mental mm. strength is just there in. In bucket loads. Hey, Matt, how's this playing? How do you think this will enhance his, you know, where's the pecking order of Colombian greats now? Um, does he, does this draw him level with Nairo Quintana or Quintana or will Quintana always have a special place in the, in the kind of um, roll call of, cause he was the first, you know, what, 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 well, how, how do Colombians feel about the two of them? Do you think? Um, well, I, 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 I think it's pretty clear that, um, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> when, when, when you know, Nairo is still there, but I mean, he'll sooner or later he'll retire, and when you do retire, you're you're forgotten pretty quickly, eh, Dave? <laughs> it does get very quickly. No, 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 no. You get into and, the world of podcasting and you live forever. Yeah, and then, true. But then. But then, yeah, I, 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 it's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, Nairo was kind of... Um, yeah, okay. it's a stupid question, actually. It was a yeah, stupid question. Sorry. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 but it's also that um, I, I've, I've got a terrible feeling that, I mean, um, you know, Egan and Danny Martinez kind of come through. I think the other rider that's been riding really, really well is Harold Tejada. Um, yeah, on the quiet, yeah. On the yeah. quiet. Um, but... Um, I, I think then you're going to have a, a bit of a yawning gulf in Colombian cycling because the the scouting hasn't been and the talent development hasn't really been taking place. And COVID, there were there were lots of schemes and COVID's 
made a big hole in all of them. And so in a strange way, you know, Egan's going to be carrying everything single-handed for the next Mm. five or six or ten years, I, I fear. Do you know, I, I, I get this growing sense actually being in on the race, Matt, and working with mm. people you know very well. Um, they are, in, in um, as a stark contrast to last year's uh, Giro d'Italia, which obviously had this kind of unexpected twist and outcome that kept people kind of really engaged, um, or most people. It always plays out differently in, in different territories, doesn't it? Um, but they are loving, apart from the catastrophe of yesterday's coverage, take that aside, put that aside. They are loving the fact that they have got this headline act in the Maglia Rosa because um, it's been a while. And the, the, the Giro d'Italia, I mean, you have to go back to the Contador, the last Contador victory, I think, where you had a winner of the Tour de France yep. choose, elect yep. to come to the Giro d'Italia and then win it, you know, assuming Bernal does. And that doesn't often happen with the Giro in the modern, in the modern era. So they... They're kind of loving the fact that, 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 that this is happening day after day and he's stretching his lead and he's re- they, cause they want the headline of the big, one of the biggest names in cycling wearing their Malia Rosa, great champion. Um, and actually a lot of people who love this race yearn for something else. <laughs> um, which is quite curious as well. I mean, I, I've, I think my takeaway from this race so far, Matt, has been some of the detail and some of the stage wins. You know, the way that the way the stage wins have been shared out amongst all these different teams. And a couple stand out, a couple of individual days racing stand out uh, above others. I thought, I thought Andrea Vendrame's win um, from AG to our Citroën was uh, one of my yeah, favourite days racing. That. But I thought, I, it was, that. I thought it was absolutely sensational. So what do you, what do you, what have you greatly enjoyed and admired is a little bit below the surface so far Matt what, what, what's your what's your Andrea Vendrame moment yeah well do you, do you know I mean I I, I really um, I really wanted uh, Louis Feveca to to take the Malia Rosa when he was when he was second and and, and then it didn't happen and it went to um, De Marchi um I think also people are, the Italians are loving it because because Egan is such a an, an Italophile and speaks really extremely good Italian and and feels very you know feels as though he's got Italian roots um, and so on. Um, yeah, I I I I I have I've really enjoyed. Seeing these kids, I mean, I I really enjoyed that that wonderful moment when um, when uh, Lorenzo Fortunato w- went to. You could see it in the pictures quite clearly. He went to the Maglia Rosa, who was who was Alessandro De Marchi, and he said, "Listen, I'm I'm from here. I can I go ahead and see my in, people." It was in Bologna, wasn't it? It was. It yeah, was. It and, was great. And, yeah. and so he sort of, and he had to ask permission. You have to ask permission of the the domesticus at the front of the race. Yeah. And he got permission. Yeah. To and go he ahead. It was great. He was off the front for about ten minutes. It wasn't oh, just a little it was for brief. about three and a half k. Yeah, yeah, it was a really long time. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was yeah. great. Through He's... one of the, and you imagine that riding through one of the great cultural centers of the world you know this is leonardo da vinci this is you know and these broad streets and you're ahead of the peloton and you can just go ahead there and wave it must be i mean i wonder if that 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 just had a a one percent you know 
something to do with the fact that he was able to win on the Zonkalan. I mean, how amazing is that? His, but I think his he, he must have lived some, yeah. His, yeah. So, so, sorry to interrupt. It's a bit of a dodgy connection, isn't it, with Zoom? So I'm talking over you. I don't mean to. But actually, thank you for mentioning his name because when David and I, David, when we did the pod after the Zonkalan the other day, I forgot to kind of fill in a tiny little gap um, on Lorenzo Fortunato because actually he came up in conversation when I when I was preparing my commentary notes I rang Sean Yates who's the DS of that team about a week before the Giro and I said who are you taking you know and uh, eight man team he had a list of 10 names and um, Fortunato was uh, penciled in very lightly but not guaranteed to make the cut and they they said he's a real Sean said he's a real talent um, but he's had to lose um, four or five kilos. Um, and he's done it. Uh, t- and he's now kind of, he's now 59 kilos, which is pretty much nothing really, is it? Mm. Um, and so, but we don't know how he's going to cope with that weight loss. So we're going to send him to Astorias to see how he goes. And I was kind of like, while the Vuelta Astorias was going on, I was kind of checking the results and noting that, I mean, without seeing how the race unfolded, it was pretty much fumbling around in the dark, but he didn't seem to have made a massive impact on that race. Um, but obviously they'd seen enough to, to take him, to take him to the race. So yeah, but I, when I saw him off the front in Bologna, I thought, well, he's just pleased to be here. The lad, isn't he? Um, didn't, you know, not much more to see from him. But then when he got in that break on the Zonkaland stage, I thought now it's going to be fascinating to see, especially on those really steep slopes in the final three kilometers, how, how he fares. If he's 59 kilos, that's going to be a, you know, that's going to be a huge advantage if he's in the, in the mix. So I thought it was, yeah, it was a wonderful moment. Yeah. And that they've got Samuel Rivi who's been very good breaks every day. And he seems to be a, he seems to be a really lovely, lovely kid. And I read an interview of him and, and he said that he's, he's, he's a very introverted, shy person and he can find it quite difficult to, to sort of, get on because he and 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 the cycling helps with that and he you know and there's there's kind of some lovely there's some lovely stories and do you know what and I've really enjoyed seeing um um uh Geoffroy Bouchard um who's another of these riders who was a very very late you know he he was injured in under 23 and then he turned pro I mean at about 26 and you know, he's a, a real late uh, sort of, you know, making it into the pros, and then he's winning the King of the Mountains competition. And 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 although he'll probably lose it tomorrow, but that's because it's such a heavily weighed towards the end. But um, here's the thing: who's last in the King of the Mountains competition? Have you noticed? It's very strange. Mm, I haven't noticed. What you mean? Who's mm. scored? Who has scored a point? Because there's lots of people who are last, ah, having scored. Well, no, there isn't. There's one person who is last. There's minus. Got less there's than one minus. Point. Oh, they've got minus points. Who <laughs> that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who well, is it? It, it? it says something about the way that this race has unfolded. It's very strange. Um, it, it is Davide Formolo, who oh. is a brilliant climber, and not only has he never won any mountain points which is which kind of says something about the way that the breakaways have mm, swept them have off. dominated um but and and i think um yesterday at some point clearly 
he was holding on to a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's on minus eight. But it's just wow. bizarre that when you look down the mountains, listen, down the bottom, there are all these, you know, people like, you know, like, 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 Sort of Nibali and 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 so on, who've got virtually no mountain points whatsoever, <laughs> which which is so all the points have either been snaffled by the breakaways, and by definition the GC contenders can't get into the breakaways, or they've been snaffled by the real GC contenders who are actually winning, and mm. not the GC contenders who Aren't have winning. come and had a disappointing time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it kind of says everything about the way that the races. The race has unfolded. Hmm. And plus, I've just I'm enjoyed good. seeing I'm the I'm places. I've enjoyed listening to Matt yeah, yeah. and finding lots of things yeah. I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's uh, just, I get sense, sense that we woke Matt up quite early and he's just slowly getting into his, his, uh, <laughs> his stride here. He's getting yeah, into anyway. his stride. Yeah. What about, because I mean, I think one of the biggest things is you know a lot about what happened with Egan more than anybody the last six months, year, Matt, is this sense that. I mean, obviously, Giro is it's always a very different race to the Tour de France in the sense that the the level, the quality, the pressure, the expectations, the, et cetera. But he does seem to be not only back at his best, but he looks better than ever. And yeah, but like six months ago, it was like it's, as you were, we were just saying before, people just get disposed of so quickly. You're only as good as your last race, and and it was almost like, well, perhaps Egan Bernal's never going to come back. Look at Pogacar. Look at the the other Colombians coming through and yet he's gone away. He's come back and the emotion he had on that first win. I mean, it was, it was not only the attack was violent, but just the emotion he had was enormous. And then what you were saying as well yesterday, him kind of crying, like sort of shouting over the line. There's, there's definitely a, an anger in there. That's, it's as much psychological as it is physical with him. It, it seems, which backs up what you were saying about his head. Do you reckon that's about right? Yeah, I do. I think he's come back from a long way. I mean, he said in the in the in the interview after the stage yesterday. I think that's exactly right. You know, I I, I wanted to prove that I'm still in the game. And yeah, we do have this kind of clickbait culture, don't we? Where where it, it's a bit like Trump's lies. You know, the the more he tells, the more he gets away with. Because you you just the, the latest one. It just just kind of covers up the previous seven thousand, you know, and it's it's, and and you know, you you finish reading an article and something else, you know, pops up, and why don't you read this? And by the time you've, you know, you're five minutes into a piece of research or something, and you're miles away, and you've completely forgotten what it was you were doing, and and kind of we we have this culture of, and and there is this kid, and you think that the 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 twenty twenty tour, I mean, Egan was. In second place, so the 2020 tour wasn't in July; it was in August, September, September, wasn't it? And and he was still in third place at about stage twelve or thirteen or fourteen, and so he was still a contender. And then suddenly, the back thing comes up, and he has that bad stage and drops out, and um, and then. Pogacar wins and there's the Pogacar Roglic thing and suddenly Egan seems like some 
seems like Duns Scotus or, or some mm. medieval, you know. You got Egan Bernal, yeah, didn't he? Exactly. Didn't he write the exactly. Summa Theologica in, in at yeah. Naples University in 1321? <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and I think that, and also I think what happened was you had COVID as well. And that's kind of wiped all our, no, not wiped our memories cl- clean, but, but, it's like before and, and, and after. he's been, yeah, and he's been stuck at home, stewing, in, in having been. You know, I I used to be a contender, you know, yeah. and and kind of, and and so I think that again the, the mentor how they've sorted him out because there's just nothing to him, is there? He's just a little piece of, twisted piano wire. That's and how they've straightened him out and. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it goes to actually I'll tell you what, it's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's something people often forget with Ineos Grenadiers as well. It's just the amount of uh, TLC they put into their riders and the support. And I was reminded of that yesterday because I went to visit Darrell Olympian Hospital. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. crashed really badly at the Ruta del Sol on Saturday, oh, yeah. I think, in a, in a sprint uh, with, he cr- crossed up with Robert Stannard. Is it Robert Stannard? Um, yeah. And... Uh, but I saw the pics and I didn't think so. He's a family friend. And I saw the pics. And I thought, oh, it's, oh, he must be okay because I haven't read anything. And then I, his wife called my wife yesterday and he'd just been shipped to the hospital here. So I went and visited him and he's got a broken collarbone and he's getting his pelvis screwed back together. But he was in, he was in the, the, the clinic here in Girona and you kind of realize, and this is, I'm not, not going to throw anybody under the bus here, but the majority of teams, if a rider goes down, they're kind of almost left on their own. And he found himself in a in a kind of public hospital in a room of ten down in the south of Spain, lights on all night, just kind of and and had to kind of almost battle his way out of there, organise an ambulance to bring him up here with his own insurance, and and that's what happens to the majority of riders. And he was saying also that because it was quite, I was talking to him quite a while uh, yesterday evening, and he was saying we kind of forget that when riders go down, normally you find yourself in a foreign country in a foreign hospital with nobody around because most of the team then ship out and you're just left there to try and figure out how to get back home. And then it becomes your own kind of responsibility to sort yourself out. And he's a rider of stature. So you can imagine what it's like for the majority. And that that's something that um, that I think the riders on Ineos Grenadiers are very fortunate, all of them, because they do get looked after so well and they're, they're treated as the assets that they are and they're invested in. And and I guess that goes to show what they've done with Egan Bernard, because I think a, a lot of riders and a lot of teams would have had a great difficulty coming back from what he's had. And we don't know what, what's, what they've done, but you can be sure they've done everything they possibly can and it's worked. And it's, um, mm-hmm. but, but they're really at the sharp end of the vanguard, if you like, of, of sports performance. And we talk about them often, but it's not just for the actual performance within races. It's the medical care and due diligence taken around riders because when you walk into the room and you see Daryl there as I did yesterday it's kind of shocking you know he's just there's an athlete in his prime who can't move who's just like all strapped up in his bed and has had to sort himself out to get there from the south of Spain and uh, it's just like oh man that's a it's kind of brutal now listen I've got cheapskate zoom so I haven't got the pro thing we are minutes away from being cut off so I'm gonna have to say goodbye essentially Okay. And um, it's been very nice to talk to you. Matt, keep the updates coming. Yeah. 
Shall do. And so how do people read them? They go to the official, it's the Giro d'Italia dot com or whatever isn't it yeah what is it Giro d'Italia dot yeah. it I suppose website. it is yeah, yeah. yeah and then you click on the live there. race don't you live race and then it, you, that's right yeah follow the race live something. and then yeah, yeah. more importantly yeah. Matt we'll put your um your book in the show notes yeah Colombia oh. Espacion Colombia Espacion yes, yeah. yeah yes please yeah we'll put yeah, that yeah. in there brilliant I want you to read that nice Just to see you both yeah alright enjoy the rest day enjoy the rest day Matt what are you going to do on your rest day you going to put some trousers on eventually? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, later on, yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. What's your plans, David? Get uh, some work. Do a bit of work, Go get a bike. A new bike here. So I'm going to go and get that. Got some Campagnolo stuff to put on it. So that's exciting. Mm. Yeah. I'm take Very that good. Bike I've shop. got a three-hour drive across the Dolomites in the rain. So I'm going to go and do that. Happy days. All right. Bye. All right. See you, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 